Welcome to Bar Fights with attorney and advocate Sarah Klein. Taking on issues that matter and advocating for legal, cultural, and political change everywhere in order to protect children and vulnerable adults. Joining the conversation are survivors, advocates, lawyers, media personalities, athletes, celebrities, authors, wellness aficionados, and many more. Because bringing real justice takes a team of experts who care. Now, leading the fight is your host, Sarah Klein. Hello, everyone, and welcome to Bar Fight. My name is Sarah Klein, and for people that don't know me, I am an advocate and attorney at Manley, Stewart, and Finaldi, the nation's leading law firm representing survivors of sexual abuse. I am also a former competitive gymnast and one of the first known victims of former Olympic women's gymnastics team doctor, Larry Nassar, who I am happy to say is spending the rest of his life in prison. Each week on Bar Fights, we will be taking on issues that matter with a ton of great experts, and I am so excited to introduce you guys to my guest today. But before I get to that, I just want to thank everyone for their support and enthusiasm for this show. And listen, I know sexual abuse is not always the most fun topic to talk about. I get that. Um, But it's my promise to this audience that we're going to keep this show focused on hope. We're going to focus it around inspiration. And we're going to talk about forward movement and about how we can change things for the better. And I think that at the end of the day, you know, I'm the mom of two little girls. I want to leave the world better than how I found it. And I know my guest feels the same way too. So I just wanted to say the enthusiasm and the support for this show has been so awesome. And I'm really excited about the lineup of guests that we're going to have in coming weeks. So we've got Olympians coming on. We've got media personalities that you all know and love. We've got mental health experts. We have lawmakers, We're going to keep it interesting here at Bar Fights. So today's show is super, super near and dear to my heart. Um, I think it's going to lay a great foundation in terms of future discussions that we're going to be having on this show as things unfold. And also in terms of other guests we're going to have on this show, um, talking about this topic that we're, we're going to learn more about today from our expert, Catherine. Um, and we're going to learn about the law, the legal piece of how survivors can be supported as opposed to sort of some of the, the current paradigms in some of our states where the predators are the ones who are protected by these very outdated, very antiquated laws. So we're going to talk about those laws today, what they are, why they matter, which ones have changed, which ones have yet to change. And I think this piece is really important to me when it comes to this show is we're going to leave our listeners with some action items, some next steps. 
that the listeners can take to make the world we are leaving to our kids, our grandkids, our nieces, our nephews, our friends, brothers, sisters, to leave it better, to leave it safer. Um, And that's a huge piece of why I do what I do. Um, And I know it's a huge piece of why our guest today does what she does. So she's going to tell us how our listeners can join us and join the fight to do just that. This is Sarah Klein, and you are listening to Bar Fights. And without further ado, I want to introduce you all to someone I love, someone who is my friend. She is my colleague. She's a mom. She's a lawyer. She's a legislative advocate, a law instructor, an executive director of this incredible nonprofit we're going to learn about today. Um, And right up there with mom, I think arguably one of the most sort of important things about Catherine is that she herself is a survivor um, and, and she understands this journey and this fight like only those of us who've been through this can. Um, She's been fighting to pass meaningful child sex abuse legislation across the country for 16 years. It's probably even more than that at this point. Um, And she testifies in front of legislative committees. She writes opinions, op-eds, national press, appears everywhere. She is a warrior. She is amazing. My sweet friend, thank you so much for being on Bar Fights. Welcome, Catherine Robb. Hey, Catherine. Thank you, Sarah. Hi. I mean, how exciting is this that we get to have this conversation? We've known each other a while. Um, I consider you a mentor to me um, and someone who is such an expert in this fight um, in terms of getting the laws changed to protect our babies. So, We have so much to talk about before we get into talking about statutes of limitations, which for those listeners who have no idea (laughs) what we're talking about, we're going to break it down um, and make it really, really easy to understand. But can you start, Catherine, um, just by telling us a little bit about your story um, and why you've dedicated so much of your life to, to doing this important work? Absolutely. As you have mentioned, I am a survivor of child sexual abuse, and my abuse happened in the family, which happens to be the biggest part of this ugly pie. You know, folks think of, you know, religious institutions, educational institutions, doctors, coaches, but the truth is most sexual abuse of minors happens in the home. So I'm one of those people. Um, And, you know, I was really struck by your comment earlier in that it's, you know, really hard to listen to this stuff sometimes. And I know as a mother, as a reasonable woman who wants this world to be a safer place, just as you do, that it is the hardest truth, the most uncomfortable truth those are the ones that we absolutely must speak about because it's only when we are give those really challenging, uncomfortable truths voice that we will see change, that we will see change in family structures, that we will see change at the legislative level 
educational level, public policy level, it, we we just have to tackle those. And and I know that we share this, Sarah, that it's it's hard to speak up about these very challenging and difficult uh, experiences that both you and I had as little girls. But it's it, it's more important than it is hard. And I try to get legislative uh, you know leaders to understand that as hard as it is for them to hear it, it is more important that they change the laws because of it. Yes, I have the chills, literally. Yes. And, you know, that's one of my objectives is in doing this show is being able to show people that while it's hard to talk about it, we got to get rid of the stigma. We've got to get rid of the shame. And as you said, give it a voice because if we're hiding in the shadows, nothing's going to change and, and no one is going to be any safer than they were when we were both little girls experiencing quite frankly, the hell that that we mm-hmm. both experienced, you know. Um, exactly, I and I th- I think it is also true that, you know, our society needs to hear this. Both you and I are in the press a fair amount, and a lot of times it's challenging for reporters or uh, n- newscasters to hear this. But I believe that the culture, our culture and society needs to hear about this because if you don't know about the problem you can't fix it until it's so much later and so much damage has been caused yep a hundred percent i completely agree so we were on a panel together i don't know a month or two ago and you presented after me and you explained this concept of statutes of limitations as it relates to this so well that even I <laughs> learned a lot just listening to you. Can you can you talk to our listeners, some of whom are are going to be very educated as it comes to this, but some of whom have no idea what we're talking about right now. Can you give us just a little rundown about this topic and also why is it important? Sure. So statute of limitations are essentially this arbitrary procedural time period whereby it, it prevents certain actions from being filed. And statute of limitations actually have a purpose as an attorney, as someone who believes in our American system of justice, uh, even with its flaws, I believe in due process. I believe that, um, you know, that certain claims should end at a certain period, you know, typical torts of slip and fall or breach of contract. I believe that it makes sense to have a cutoff period, right? Because of witnesses and evidence and memory, that that makes sense, generally speaking. But it doesn't make sense when it comes to the rape and sexual assault of children, because this is such a horrific tort. This is such a horrific civil wrong that 
it, it just doesn't make sense because what happens, and Sarah, both you and I know this well personally, that when children are repeatedly traumatized by being sexually assaulted, that what happens is they are silenced. They are shamed. They are shut down. They are frightened. They don't understand because they're children and their brains haven't developed. So they they shut down and this basically silences these young children. So they're not your typical types of civil wrongs or torts as we call them in the legal world. They're different, they're terribly egregious. And you know, I always say to legislators, I believe in laws. Laws are important, including statute of limitations laws, but all laws are based on notions of justice and fairness and reason and common sense and sound public policy. Well, given what we know about the delayed disclosure and how long it takes for survivors of child sexual abuse to come forward, which is the average age is 52, these laws don't make sense. Statute of limitations, that clock that's running, that, that, that timer that's sort of ticking, doesn't make sense in these types of cases. And our legislative leaders should understand that, that these are very, very different. Again, we're talking about the rape and sexual assault of children. And these types of wrongs just simply should have a different statute of limitation. And therefore, that is the work that we're doing. We are trying to change these statute of limitations all over the country so we can identify these hidden predators and bring justice to those survivors. Amen. That is so well said, Catherine. Again, I have the chills. Um, (laughs) So you are now the executive director of this incredible nonprofit called Child U.S. Advocacy, whose mission is really simple, to protect children and and to go about doing that in in the way you just described. I love so much what the the homepage on the website says. I think it's really powerful and kind of encapsulates exactly the work that you're trying to do and I'm trying to do with you is it says at Child U.S. Advocacy, we stand against child sex abuse, stand against Mm -hmm. neglect, stand against racial injustice, We will not be silent, not now, not ever. Powerful. That's right. So powerful. And I think think something else, Sarah, that your listeners might be interested to, to hear is that when we change the statute of limitations to allow those survivors who are now adults to identify their perpetrators, to identify the bad guys, to identify the wrongdoers, maybe people who covered it up, who didn't have good sound you know, uh, procedures and policies, when we are able to hold them accountable in a court of law, what happens is we really do three things. We first of all, identify hidden predators and that makes kids safer. So that's how we protect kids. But it also shifts the cost of this enormous financial burden, not just on the survivors, but also on the jurisdictions. It shifts that cost 
away from the state, away from the survivor and the survivor's families, and it shifts it to the bad guys, to the wrongdoers, right? And that's a really important shift. And the final and third piece is that it educates the public. So sometimes folks are a little confused. Well, how does allowing adults to go to court protect children? Like, how does that do that in your mission to protect children? Well, how it does it is it identifies hidden predators, it educates the public, and it shifts the cost of this epidemic of child sexual abuse. Yep, absolutely. And I can think of so many examples of adult survivors that I know where when they were given access to the courts and they were able to hold their perpetrator accountable, we learn things like this person's been doing it ever since and they are still Mm -hmm. teaching in the schools and they are still coaching in the sport. Um, and, and it's, it's really sort of striking to me, um, that, that our laws are not designed to sort of work against the notion that somebody who could have been harming children is actually still getting access to children. Right. Um, right. And I'm sure you can think of sort of lots of anecdotes where, where you've seen that that work when the statute is does become sort of pro survivor and the work you're doing does result in a law that's changed and these survivors do get access to the courts um you know it can can be really really eye opening as to how much is still going on um right and you know it, it Yeah. And if you think about it, these are secrets, you know, survivors sadly keep these secrets. I know I did for years. I didn't come out publicly until I was 40, mid forties and, and, and institutions keep, keep secrets, right? Organizations keep secrets and, you know, nothing good ever comes from a secret, you know? And if we, if we have these covers up and these secrets, then, then all of these really bad actors continue to do what they do. And, you know, what we discover through, you know, having having these laws where we change the statute of limitations or open a window for past um, victims to finally be able to go into court is we identify all of these really bad actors, these sexual predators that are in our schools, are like, you know, coaching and maybe doctors. And, and it just, um, it, it really shines the light of truth. And when you shine the light of truth on some terrible, terrible wrong, good things can happen. First yep. and foremost, protecting children. Yep. Absolutely. So, you know, I'm convinced. What would be going through the mind of a lawmaker who says, I disagree. What are the arguments Mm -hmm. on the other side of this? Why would somebody object to to this? Well, for starters, some of them are just really uninformed. They don't understand it. So we have that. And then we also have pressures from powerful institutions, whether it be the insurance lobby, the Catholic Church, Boy Scouts of America, you know, some really powerful entities 
that, you know, are simply protecting their image and protecting their pocketbook and protecting their secrets. And again, when we protect secrets, that means children are in harm's way. You know, so we get, you know, the courts will be flooded, you know, they'll go into bankruptcy. We get, it's not fair. How about about due process? And we have sound arguments in response to all of those things. First of all, the courts are not flooded. That is completely false. You know, in New York, the Child Victims Act opened a window in, um, in August 14th of 2019. There have been 5,000 cases, a little over 5,000 cases filed. And you're, we're talking about a state where there's over, you know, 8, 8, 8 million people alone in New York City, right? So, like, if you compare the cases that have been filed, and the amount of people, the courts are not getting, uh, uh, not getting flooded. And the courts know how to respond to this. And they have, and they've done a very good job of it. Um, and then the arguments about due process, what I say to legislators and, and um, lawmakers is that, look it, um, due process is not absolute. You know, it's like the First Amendment. It's not absolute. You can't yell fire in a, in a, um, movie theater, that type of thing. Um, we balance those rights of due process against any harm to our citizens or especially harm to our innocent, vulnerable children. So they're not absolute. And of course, you know, allowing victims to come forward and have justice and identify hidden predators clearly to me outweighs and trumps these due process arguments. They're just not solid for me, you know. So those are the typical arguments that we see. And, you know, we try to also educate lawmakers. They just don't understand. We educate them on the science of traumatology, the, you know, the ACE studies and how, you know, all of this affects the full life of a child. Um, and we really try to give them a, a full breadth of um, information, whether it be the burden financially on the state, or the burden financially on victims, and also just the burden on on the victim, whether it be years of depression, post-traumatic stress, difficulties in the educational systems, difficulties sleeping, you know, eating disorders, you name it. Like the list just goes on and on. So. We're really, you know, in the business of educating as well as, um, you know, really advocating for sound public policy rules that protect children. Yeah, absolutely. And that list that you just mentioned, you know, when I talk to other survivors or clients of mine or even just look at my own experience in life coming to terms mm -hmm. with my child sex abuse, I'm going check, check, check. And, and what's yeah. so disheartening is that sometimes survivors feel like they're the only one struggling with that stuff. Right. And, and I think it's right. just good for, for anybody listening who is a survivor to realize that that's all very common and very normal when you've experienced early childhood trauma like that. So Catherine, mm -hmm. what have been sort of some of the standout sort of gold standard states that you've worked in who have, have heard you out, have understood and have done the right thing. And what are some of the states that you're working in now that where you're stuck, where these people are just not getting it? Right. Um, 
Well, first of all, we have 21 states, Washington, D.C., and Guam have revived their statute of limitations. That is just outstanding, right? So there's a real national movement. One of the other arguments, by the way, that I get is, well, you know, no one else is doing this. I'm like, yeah, yeah, they are. They are doing this because they're being educated. This is a national trend. Um, and, you know, many states are doing this. In my opinion right now, the gold medal goes to the state of Vermont. What, what Vermont did in 2019 was they opened a permanent window, never closes, and they have complete elimination. So looking back, looking forward, this is this state, you know, just did the right thing. Hats off to them. Uh, we have other jurisdictions. You know, I'm working on a bill right now in the Commonwealth of Massachusetts, very much like Vermont. We want to do the same thing here. Great bunch of legislators that I'm working with. You know, and then unfortunately, you know, we have states like. Pennsylvania, you know, <laughs> that is it, living in the dark ages, you know, and just cannot get their act together to do what so many other and, and neighboring states are doing, you know. I mean, 2019 was a banner year. We had New York, Washington, D.C., Montana, New Jersey, Vermont, Arizona. Rhode Island, California opened their another window, and North Carolina, you know, we, and then this year we've had a lot of success as well. So this is, um, you know, this is what states are doing. So unfortunately, Pennsylvania is, we believe, is being greatly influenced by the powers of the Catholic Church to keep yeah. their secrets and protect their image and their pocketbooks. And they're doing so at the risk of hurting a lot of children and denying justice to so many who need it. So we're not happy with Pennsylvania right now. We are not so happy with Pennsylvania. No, we are not happy with Pennsylvania. And if I may say, we're not happy with uh, Senator Kim Ward because she's really almost single-handedly keeping her finger on this bill. We know we will have the votes to pass it. And... She is being greatly influenced, even though she denies it, greatly influenced um, by the Catholic Church and others to keep her finger on that bill so it doesn't move. And that is tragic and horrific in my eyes. Um, Absolutely. Horrific. Yes. Yeah. Yeah, totally. Yep. They will just, uh, Pennsylvania's in the dark ages. And um, she has not given any good reasons. Uh, uh, We have given her tons and tons of information, constitutional memos and, you know, but she's just stepping out of her lane on behalf of, uh, you know, the, you know, big, big players like the Catholic church. And this is a woman who doesn't have her JD. She should stay in her lane and let the, courts and the judges do their jobs and do what they're best out and decide issues of constitutionality. And in my opinion, she that's just an excuse. That's smoke and mirror. She's just hiding about, uh, behind this constitutional argument. And we've seen it in other states. And, um, you know, she can be on the right side of history on this or the wrong side of history on this. But this is a national movement. This is what states are doing. So uh, I'm really urging her to get 
to get in line and do the right thing. And I join you in that. As you know, Catherine, this is extremely important and near and dear to me because I'm raising my two daughters here in the state of Pennsylvania. And for for the listeners out there who have not been following what's been going on with Senator Kim Ward, she has simply refused to bring the bill to the Senate floor for a vote. So as Catherine said, she's withholding it. She's not even allowing the Senate to have a fair vote, right? And if they vote against it, well, at least they had the opportunity to, to vote on it. But she is withholding the bill from even being voted on for reasons that Catherine just alluded to, which is incredibly, incredibly disappointing to say the least. And as Catherine also said, the reasoning is the same old reasoning that people have been giving in the state of Pennsylvania for 16 years, right? N- nothing she's mm-hmm. saying is mm-hmm. new, is novel, has not been thoroughly researched and thoroughly sort of vetted, right? And, and so it's the mm-hmm. same old, same old, same old. Um, and she's almost single-handedly blocking people who were abused as children, people abused mm-hmm. as children from getting to mm-hmm. name their perpetrators openly in a court of law in the hopes to, as Catherine discussed earlier, leave the world safer in the ways we talked about. And that, to me, is one of those things where I don't know how you sleep at night. I don't know how you live with yourself. It's not a political issue. It's a human issue. It's something that Mm -hmm. it doesn't matter what side of the line your political views are on. This is about children. This is about children who were traumatized. Um, and right. This is a this is a non. It. Yeah. Sorry, Sarah. This is a nonpartisan issue. Children get sexually assaulted. It doesn't matter if their parents are Republican or Democrat, if they're Catholic or Jewish or no religion, if they're black or white, it or male or female or straight or gay. It doesn't matter. Children are being sexually assaulted, and none of that matters, right? And I think the other important thing about Senator Kim Ward is the reason she's not bringing it to the floor is because she knows it will pass. Yeah. Right. So essentially, she's taking the voice from all of the constituents in the Senate, uh, you know, all the constituents that are represented by all the senators in that chamber. She is effectively taking away their will, which is just unconscionable to me. Yep. She is taking away the voices of the people who represent all of us all over Pennsylvania. Right. And she, and so again, unconscionable. So Catherine, what can people do? How can our listeners get involved? How can they help? I get asked that question all the time when I talk about this topic, what can I do to help? And we have listeners from all over the country, but we have listeners right here in the state of Pennsylvania. And I think it's important for all survivors to come together, even if they're not living in the state of Pennsylvania or in some of these other states where we're seeing a struggle, you can still do your part, right? What, what would that look like for our listeners? So what, yeah, so it, it, it means 
get get involved, right? Go to your uh, legislator. Look up who your senator is and who your reps may be. Look them up. Write to them. Call their offices. They are representing you, right? Now, in in the Commonwealth of Pennsylvania, call Kim Ward, right? <laughs> and you can also go to our website at childusadvocacy.org, and we have a lot of information there. And then also, I, I, I'd be remiss if I don't mention Child USA, which is our sister organization, and the amazing, brilliant work of Professor Marcy Hamilton, who's also a dear friend of mine. Um, the work that she's doing all over the country, all over the world, they provide a, just so much information and support to, survi- to survivors and to just voters out there, to the general public. And if I might add, to survivors out there, I, I just want to say, you are not alone. You are not alone in this, and people are fighting for you. And if you want to join the fight with us, you know, go to my website um, join the fight for justice and for for kids. Um, reach out to your lawmakers. Write letters. Talk to the press. You know, write letters to the editor. You know, use your voice. Use the power of the press and your First Amendment right to speak out. Um, do all of that, and you will make a change. Um, join, join, join our team. <laughs> join yeah. our uh, our warriors. You know um, mm-hmm. that are fighting for kids and justice. Amen. I love that. Our brothers, our sisters, our arms are wide open. We welcome you. We need you. I always say I knew nothing about lobbying or politics or how to change a law. But what I did know was the power of a story, the power of courage and the power to use the voice that that you've been given. Um, And so we are here uh, www.childusadvocacy.org. Marcy Hamilton is an incredible human being, a friend of, of mine as well, and really has dedicated her life to this as well. A brilliant, brilliant woman. That's childusa.org. Um, child us advocacy is also on Instagram and Twitter and the handle is at Child U.S. Advocacy. Um, wow, Catherine, I want to thank you so much for being here. My you pleasure. are just an all-around badass woman, a mentor <laughs> for me, a role model to me, and I know to so many so many others, and I am a member of, of this army, and you um, and Marcy are our fearless leaders, and I just thank you so much for what, what you've done, what you're doing, and what you will continue to do. So, Thank, thank you, Sarah. Thank you. You're amazing. And I want to thank our listeners and remember to share this podcast with everyone you know, because that is how we are going to continue having important conversations like this one. Um, We're going to tackle the issues that matter one at a time, and we're going to do it together. As Catherine said, if you are a survivor, I want to say, I want to echo what she said. We believe you. You matter and you are not alone. 
and help is always available 24 seven on the national sexual assault hotline at 800-656-4673. Thank you again for listening. And I will talk to you soon on the next episode of bar fights. Thank you for listening to Bar Fights with attorney Sarah Klein, taking on issues that matter. Please check out our website at barfightspodcast.com, Instagram at barfightspodcast, or Twitter at barfights underscore pod for the latest show updates and archives.